let's have a discussion about time and its precious nature. You see, it's a commodity which collides with your priorities and their alignment is dependent upon how you want to structure the confluence of events in your life. However, the first question you have to ask yourself is what sort of mindset and mind frame do you want to take to attacking life and achieving your highest level of priority and prosperity? The answer, of course, is an inexact science and is different for all of us. However, the answers all have a common thread and are compiled in order to inch us closer to the promise of the notion of collective excellence. I want to revisit the idea of mindset and the amount of time it takes to optimize this process to its fullest potential. According to world-renowned motivational influencer and speaker Tony Robbins, on average, it takes about three to four weeks to shift a mindset into an optimal setting. However, it could take longer and the answer depends on how deeply ingrained the behavior is to what you want it to change to, as well as your own limiting beliefs and how quickly you can erase them from your mind. For former Marine Corps veteran Matthew Silva, he's overcome the loss and struggle of losing his father and he says he's left pleasure-seeking behind and found the meaning of his life through helping others develop a growth mindset through fitness progression. And Silva, join me this week to tell me more about how he views perseverance, his own perseverance journey, and how he's motivated to have others ready to evolve just like him. I'm Kevin McShan. Let's have this conversation. I began my conversation with Silva by asking him to reflect on his time in the military and how it impacted him as a person and influences the decisions he makes today. But I, um, I feel like I went through a, a maturing process, a growth process. The Marine Corps, they don't pull punches, right? Um, especially when you perform and you do well, they give you more stuff to do. 
And uh, that's pretty much what the work ethic that my father instilled in me is. He always said, do your best, do your absolute best. And he raised us up doing construction. So it made any other kind of work easy, you know. So I was progressing in the Marines. Um, I was meritoriously promoted uh, to corporal and meritoriously promoted to sergeant. Uh, that's pretty much what it means is that there's a grading scale to get promoted in the Marine Corps, right? And it's your shooting score, your physical training, your uh, education, uh, a culmination of all these things. And then they add up the scores and they said, okay, you make the cut this month to be sergeant. That's the usual way. Meritorious is when you submit two book reports and your supervisors pretty much say, hey, this guy is hot shit. He needs to get promoted ASAP. And the first time from uh, Lance Corporal to Corporal, I was uh, I undertook a task to take care of an armory that was pretty much left in, in idle. Uh, it was a reserve station. They didn't have anybody active duty there. So I, as a reservist, I rogered up and said, hey, I'll do ADOS, which is temporary active duty. So they, I was doing active duty temporarily there and got the armory in order physically. I didn't know much of, about the background, about the structure and the paperwork, but I got the armory working. I got the armory looking like an armory, first of all, at least, right? Because it was it was a mess. Uh, and then the, the command pretty much egged me on. They're like, oh, let's get you promoted to corporal, and then we can get you here active duty full time. Got me promoted to corporal because they they pushed me to get my do my meritorious package, and I did it, and I got chosen. But then instead of going active duty there here in Florida, the Marines sent me to Washington State, right? When I got to Washington State, I put in a package to go active. Uh, I put in a package to go meritorious sergeant as well, and I got it. That time, I had to actually fight for it. My supervisor didn't think I rated it, but it didn't matter what he thought. of It, it mattered what the Marine Force Reserves thought, and I got promoted. And in, in Washington, I, I went through a very tough phase of growth because as I did well in my job, they started giving me more jobs. They gave me logistics chief, which is embarkation chief, which is uh, relocation of gear from point A to point B for training and then point B to point A back. Um, they gave me a credit card holder, which I would oversee and manage uh, credit card transactions for purchasing stuff, basically procurement. Um they stuck me with a uh, ground safety manager for a while. I was also a uh, physical security chief for the unit. That one I had to create a program from scratch, from zero, which I did had nothing, didn't know anything about, but I was the armory chief and a lot of it had to do with the armory. So all in all, the Marine Corps stuck me with a bunch of different things to do and they taught me multitasking and they taught me how to handle a lot of things at once and honestly i besides life i don't know of a better teacher to teach you how to handle a bunch of things at once you know spinning plates mm -hmm. but um it was a good experience i'm thankful for my time in the marines it definitely was uh, it was over for me i didn't want to stay there for other reasons but it was a good time it definitely taught me a lot of growth it didn't feel good at the time but i'm thankful for it yeah, so uh, knowing that, how do you define a growth mindset, my friend? What does that mean to you? A growth mindset is a mindset that invites difficulty, or not invites, 
but they know how to roll with the punches. That's the best way to describe it. Rolling with the punches. That's a growth mindset. Uh, Jocko Willick talked about it. He says, when something bad happens, good. You didn't get promoted, good. You can work up to it and be better and, and earn that promotion. If uh, you didn't, uh, the, he said the mission didn't uh, go through, it fell through, they were planning for it, it fell through. He said, good. That means they can perfect their tactics. So like, basically when life throws something at you, you just roll with it and you learn from it. A growth mindset is learning from stuff instead of seeing them as negative. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know you help people also sort of be on their own journey to find their purpose in life. So what, what do you think it means to discover our purpose and really uh, take advantage of the talents that we've been given? So what does it mean to you to, to find and discover our purpose in life, my friend? So for me, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to definitely give this to my mentor, Wes Watson. I was watching him for about five months before I got into a program with him. He's uh, the way that he described it, which is phenomenal. And this applies to every human being on earth. It's not about what you, what you do. It's about who you are. It's about making the best version of yourself, making yourself somebody you admire, making yourself the best in every way possible working on yourself, self-mastery. And when you do that, when you've done that, or you're obviously never perfect, you're always working on yourself, but when you reach a level to where you can show other people how to do it, that's your purpose. You master yourself, and then you show other people how to master themselves. You master yourself, and you give yourself to the world. That's purpose for me. And everybody's got a different way of doing it, right? Mine is fitness. Physical training has always been something big for me. Other people, it could be, as the Marine Corps likes to use examples, underwater basket weaving, right? Um, everybody's got their thing. So, yeah, that's purpose for me. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me how you found sort of your identity through fitness. What does that mean to you, my friend? So my fitness started because, I'll be honest, this is, you know, Started working in construction with my parents, with, with my dad and my brother, older brother. So naturally, he's going to be stronger than me. My dad, stronger than me. They would tease me sometimes when I couldn't pick a certain thing up, right? And this was a, this wasn't all the time. It wasn't ridicule. It was a healthy it was a healthy uh, home. I was raised in a stable home, right? However, I would t I took that and it stuck to me, and I was like, I'm not going to be the weak one ever. I'm not being the weak one. And not only that, I wanted to lift weights, what, for the girls, right? Because, you know, when you're that age, you think uh, women or chicks are going to be attracted to you being strong. You know, when the when it's the church, uh, the service is over and they say, hey, let's carry all these chairs. You know, I go over there grabbing 20 chairs like it's going to be impressive. You know, the mindset, right, as a kid. And um, it stuck to me. So I, I just kept that going. I just always wanted to be stronger. I always wanted to be uh, more capable. And I also never wanted to be a victim either. So I was wanted to be never being the weak one and never being a victim. That's always been my mindset. I started, I did MMA for about two years. I started when I was 16 to 18. I only did it for that amount of time. I've always been brushing up on it every now and then. Um, I'm eager to get back to it. But 
that's what it was to me is I never wanted to be a victim. And I never was a victim, honestly. Like I said, I was raised in a stable home, but for fitness, for me, I never wanted to be weak. And then it just evolved. It evolved into endurance, focused training in the Marine Corps. While I was getting out of the Marine Corps, a friend of mine, um, Trenton Hendricks, got me into bodybuilding a lot more. And he taught me a lot. And, um, and here I am, teaching people about fitness and how, to, how if they fix their bodies, they take the power back and they learn to fix their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, my friend, you say that when we, when we wake up in the morning, that good feelings are, are meant to be earned, my friend. And so tell me about waking up and putting your mind in the right place to attack and uh, achieve success throughout the day. What does that mean to you, my friend? Well, that's honestly, it's also something I learned from Wes Watson, uh, something that he taught I, I honestly learned that from from just watching his content if you're not following us watson you really should first of all um, about getting earning your that good feeling because naturally as as humans we are negative okay there are days you're going to jump out of bed happy about the day but most of them you will not and a lot of people resonate with this a lot of people know if you feel like crap in the morning that's normal that good feeling should be earned, right? And you get that good feeling, even on a scientific sense, when you work out, you release endorphins in your body, right? You break your muscles down. You you enlarge that threshold for energy. You gain strength. It, there's a lot of long-term and short-term effects to working out. But before working out, you get your mind right. You know, you basically, because at the at early in the morning, your mind is so vulnerable raw and analytical if you've ever noticed when you wake up in the morning you start and you analyze things from yesterday or the day before and you focus on a certain subject and you could find the answer when you you still had some kind of you know brain cloud a little bit of brain fog the day before your mind is very vulnerable at that time so the worst thing you can do in the morning is you grab your phone and you open it up and you dump all the trash of the internet into your head. So worst thing you can do. And I used to do that. Uh, but I learned to reflect in the morning. I learned to read a book that is uh, it basically a book that in... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that set, set you up for success? I don't know what... No, it's I, just a book that... Uh, encourages growth right mm -hmm. they learn something from that you can better yourself this morning i read a part of a book where it said uh, guard your heart because anybody's capable of anything when you th if you think that you're not capable of a certain kind of evil um, a lot greater men have fallen to a lot less worse kind of sins and temptation you know what i mean mm -hmm. so and then i share that Right. I get myself right. I get my mind right. I get my body right. I get my emotions right. Get everything in check. The work working out gets your mind in check, gets your emotions in check and your body in check. And after, because that's the first thing you got to take care of is yourself. Get yourself right. And then you give yourself to the world. I give myself in the form of content. I give myself to my clients. 
Um, so that's what that means to me. And, and I would assume that you, you would say that discipline and consistency are also interconnected with that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, you can't do that. You can't work on yourself without having discipline or consistency in something because then you're not working on yourself. You're just doing it once or twice and you let it go. Then you go back to it. There's no effect. There's no long-term effect or growth without consistency and discipline in any human endeavor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious to ask you about quality leadership because, as you know, you served in the Marine Corps and you've seen different styles of leadership. And looking at society today, I'm curious, how do you think we should define elite leadership? Because most some people are better leaders than others. So how do you define elite leadership? True leadership to me is selflessness, right? It all goes back to Wes's message. A selfless leader will first, he'll get rid of all vices, he'll get rid of all um, distractions, he'll get rid of the ego because he wants to better himself. He wants to make himself the absolute best possible version of himself, right? That's the first step to being a leader. The second step is you can maintain that selfless, selflessness and giving yourself to other people and serving people and leading by example. I know it's in the, I can't use the word for the definition, but that's the best way I can think about it is that being a leader is, is showing the example, is showing how to be and not talking about it. That's what leadership is to me. So make yourself the best, which is the purpose of life, honestly. Make yourself the absolute best and maintain selfless to give yourself to people. That's leadership, leading by example. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, imagine consistency of action is something that I'm a, a firm believer in because, you know, creating good habits is something that we do over the course of time if we're committed to it. I always I tell people uh, we make time for the things that we prioritize, my friend. So talk to me about uh, taking consistent action in life and the benefits that come from that. Because if you do something on a consistent basis, you will reap the benefits, right? Yeah, yeah. Consistency is a superpower, right? Because the thing about consistency, it is extremely simple, Kevin. It is so simple. You do the same thing at the same time, the same every day. That's it. That's it. That's consistency. That's what it is. But doing it, getting it done, that's difficult. It's something very simple, but very difficult. Why? Not only do your the, the all the inter distractions of your mind and your body and your, you know, all these things work hard not just work hard, but they get in the way or they try to get in the way. And then there's the outside uh, external forces that will try to get you out of the path of consistency as well. And that's the only way that you can actually create and maintain consistency is to 
protected to do your absolute best to follow through. I like to say that the worst building of habits, uh, the worst time to build habits and, and create consistency is the first three or four weeks. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. But it's the creating that consistency. You're creating a brand new habit. You're creating a brand new trait within you as a person, which before that person was lazy, that person didn't care, that person would go based on feeling. So it hurts because you were literally changing a part of yourself. And uh, consistency, like I said, in every any human endeavor, consistency is, it's not the only key, but it, it certainly is one you can't live without. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Abadjo, I also wanted to talk to you about the commitment and uh, when we talk about fitness, the commitment that we make to fitness and how that can affect every aspect of uh, our lives because my friend, as you know, I have uh, cerebral palsy and committing a, a portion of my life to fitness is important to me because if I don't uh, become physically active, I lose control of my muscles faster than you do. So tell me about the commitment to fitness and how that can be an ally for other parts of our lives as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not only in the external shallow sense that when you walk into a room and you look fit, that already speaks volumes without you opening your mouth. Andrew, Andrew Andy Frazella talks about that. You already have equity with people around you without opening your mouth, without knowing them, without anything. Why? Because they see your discipline. They see your consistency. They see that you take yourself seriously. You are a walking example of what you do. In a, in in the inter interior sense, when you apply fitness to your life and you ultimately change your health, your physical capabilities, your appearance, another shallow one, but it's still big because when we look ourselves in the mirror, we believe in what we see, right? Or we don't believe in what we see. We're either proud or we're disgusted. But in the interior sense, whenever you make fitness a part of your life to where you were like, no, I'm going to make this happen now. My health is, my health, this, that, whatever the reason is, you make fitness a part of your life and you become fit. It's almost like breaking out of a shell because you realize that you can change something. You can do something. Not only can you change your body, what you think of yourself, um, then you realize, what else can I change? I'm getting so good at this. I'm getting so good at this physical fitness, at this eating, at how I look. The confidence goes up. You start thinking, what else can I change in this life? What career do I want? What, do, uh, what career? What car? What job? What, where do I want to go? What kind of person, like the self-value alone will not let you tolerate the same things that you tolerated before, right? So it affects every area of your life. People think about it because obviously everybody's got their reasons for starting fitness. It's either health, it's either the physical capabilities or it's their appearance or whatever it is. But once you do that, man, that's, that's a hook that gets you.
then you get like it's like a gateway drug to success it's what uh dan martell talked about he said it's a gateway drug to success and self-improvement yeah and you know imagine i'm also uh curious to your perspective on the concept of teamwork you know working uh or serving in the marines you have to work as a part of a team and you also have to have the internal motivation to be a self-starter so what do you think effective teamwork and the whole concept of service means to you teamwork is essential um i'll be honest with you right now i haven't had that much experience in teamwork because i've been working on myself and I've been growing by myself. But I see the importance of teamwork, especially in the Marines, because basically the mission can't get done without teamwork. Everybody has their specific job and everybody has to fulfill it. So the mission can't go on without. The Rambo is a myth, right? <laughs> Even in the Special Forces today, they have uh, four uh, teams of four to 12 guys and they need each other to get the mission completed. Um, here at the house it's teamwork uh, my my mom does something my brother does something my sister-in-law does something and so do i and uh honestly there's all of us alone in our own places it probably would have been extremely detrimental to uh, to us to ourselves but because we're together and we're a team we can go so much farther and and so much uh we, we can actually change the course of what would have been by sticking together that makes any sense absolutely and you know uh, imagine when we talk about personal development I, i'm curious whether you think that people should set time limits or expectation on their time when they go through a personal development journey or do you think uh, things need to happen in a more organic sort of a sense, my friend. What, what are your thoughts then? Well, when you self-develop, you can't... It, this is kind of an area where I personally also have been navigating and learning about. With self-development, you don't want to burn out, right? That's one thing I've learned. You don't want to do much every day because then you're going to burn out and then consistency is gone. I get my clients when they don't work out at all. They just started. They only work out once a week. And I say, hey, how many days can you work out a week? They say, oh, I can work out five or six. I just need somebody on top of me. Okay, cool. You're going to start at two or three. The first few weeks, they get all excited. They're like, oh, should I incorporate like some, some cardio in between two? Should I incorporate cardio? Uh, on a Tuesday, I'm going Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm like, no, don't relax. The first four weeks, you're establishing the habit. You are establishing consistency. The consistency needs to be established first for the long haul. When people try to rush the process or they try to sprint, that's when you get tired. And um, with self-development, you definitely need consistency. You need a little bit, so you, you do you take a step every day towards your goal, okay? With your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. You take a step each day, and you be patient with yourself as well. 
You cannot compare yourself to somebody else's highlights. Stay off social media when you're comparing. Don't compare. Compare yourself to yesterday. So that's what I would say for, for self-development. Have consistency. Have patience with yourself. And don't give up. Uh, yeah, and to that point, you also say when we level up in life, achievement becomes harder. So I'm wondering if you can explain your philosophy through that statement, my friend. New, new levels, new devils? Well, <laughs> you know, and just to build on that, I think when you become more elite in terms of uh, your level of accomplishment. It's also harder to uh, block out certain people in your life. So how do you think we can eliminate vices in our lives in order to uh, reach that certain level of achievement and sustain our level of excellence, my friend? What are your thoughts then? It all goes back to self-mastery. It all goes back there. Because whenever you, whenever you value yourself and you see the level of discipline and consistency you're capable of, what you think of yourself goes up in value. There's no way around it. You realize, like, I don't need to tolerate this from this person. I, my effort, attention, and time is far, more, is far too valuable now for me to be worrying about what somebody might say, be worrying about receiving a message from so-and-so, worry about if, oh, if I say no to them, instead of following my routine, are they going to still want me? Like, you get to a level where you don't care about those things. So with the self-mastery, you are building a structure for yourself where your confidence goes up, where your capabilities go up, and eventually you're capable of taking on more. The self-mastery aspect has a compounding effect. Consistency and discipline compound over time. People think that it's like, okay, I get over that hump, three or four weeks, great, I'm a new person. Then what? Then it keeps compounding. The more you love yourself, the more you're, you, the more you love yourself, your subconscious sees that and gives back to you in confidence, in what you think of yourself. Um, so that's probably best as I can describe that. Yeah, and you know, Matthew, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the concept of internal motivation and setting your own standard of expectations mm -hmm. in life, my friend. So when we look at uh, the concept of internal motivation or personal desire, my friend, what do you think goes into creating your own level of internal motivation? Well, thing about motivation is that it's people say it's useless, but it's not completely useless. Motivation gets you started, but it depends on how deep your motivation goes, right? If it goes deep enough to where you're, it's not only death will stop you, then that's good motivation. That's motivation that you can, um, it's your why, right? It's your reason, which I think, I guess that ties into purpose. Uh, but short-term motivation is like, you can ride it, but not too long. Like I said, if you ride short-term motivation for too long, you will burn out. That's why it's important not to ride. It's important to be, 
in the same way that in consistency, you push yourself in the days you don't want to, you kind of hold yourself back on the days that you're really motivated. Oh my God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out twice a day. I'm going to do And then you break yourself off and then tomorrow you're sore. And then you don't want to go to the gym or the, uh, the day you're supposed to go to the gym, you don't go because you're sore. And that just snowballs, snowballs into a, a, a horrible effect, right? Yeah, and, you know, optimizing, you know, optimizing life and outcomes in life means something different for everyone, my friend. So what does it mean to you to optimize the outcome of life, my friend? Optimizing the outcome of life. Um, to optimize is to make, is to be more effective, to be more efficient, right? To optimize is literally cutting away. It's cutting away the distractions and things that take away your time and attention and energy because you're only you're only so limited. But not only that, because something works doesn't mean that's the best way it can work, right? If you take away all of the distractions, you take all, all everything that takes away your focus, then you're set. Then you're set with your raw materials, your just your goal. And then when you get there and you're going towards your goal, you have to be able to adapt to re realize that since your time is limited, there's better ways to, to, for something to be done. But there's a balance. You have to balance the consistency and discipline of keeping on, on applying these tasks. But then you also have to be open to possibly optimize the way of doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, adapt with time, especially in this digital age. You know, I see a lot of old dogs. They're learning the social media thing. And that's, that's good. That's what they're doing. They're optimizing their outcome because they're learning with the new age, the digital age, the, all the new, you know, AI for one, you know, uh, chat GPT using AI for video editing, just examples. But, um, I believe it's a combination of, uh, cutting away things that don't matter as much and then being open to adaptability. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Matthew, I have uh, uh, two more questions for you, and I'm going to combine them for you. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you what you think service to others means to you. And when you look at your own life and your own legacy, my friend, how do you want that to be defined? Um, service to others is... Uh... Is giving yourself to others and uh, in any way you can. It can be in wisdom. It can be in service. It can be in time. It can be monetary. It can be words. You can always give. And the thing about giving and, and service is that it, it's a universal law that it comes back to you. But obviously, you don't give it as a trade. You give it because you want to give because you want there's so much bad in the world this is how i think there's so much bad in the world i can't fix it all mm -hmm. but i can give out my best i can give my good i can i can pitch in i can throw in my my drop of water and then once and, I, and then I'll, when i share with other people other people will add in their drops and they will reach other people that i won't reach that will add in their drops you see so in a collective manner, it's putting out the good into the world. 
And uh, as far as my legacy goes, brother, I I just honestly, um, I want to make my dad proud. My dad uh, passed away about five months ago of ALS. And uh, I just want to make him proud because I know he's watching. And um, I want to make him proud. I definitely did enough uh, fooling around and uh, stupid shit. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. probably the best way to think about it right now. Yeah, and just one follow-up before I ask you how uh, people can get a hold of you, my friend. I'm also uh, curious to ask you about creating a more inclusive culture because, you know, one of the reasons, Matthew, I wanted to start this podcast is I looked at the world and I said there had to be more that brought us together rather than working us to tear us apart. And I wanted to create a platform where people could uh, discuss ways we can create more bridges of unity and understanding, my friend. So when we talk about creating an inclusive culture, I'm wondering what what uh, th thoughts come to mind for you? An inclusive culture? Yeah. Open-mindedness, honestly. Uh, being open-minded to hear somebody's actions or somebody's thought process but and, and leave the ego at the door the ego is the worst the ego is what's gonna is what causes conflict if everybody left their ego at the door we could be inclusive honestly uh, <laughs> i agree with you but sometimes it's easier said than done for some yeah, people so, it is. it's a life yeah. process uh, well that, that's the great uh part about life it's uh, you know, I always say that life is a constant game of learning, isn't it? Sure is, brother. Yeah, we learn until the day we die. Absolutely, my friend. And tell me finally, Matthew, if people want to get connected with you, buddy, what's the best way they can do that? Best way is on Instagram. My handle is ready, evolve, no space, all one word, ready, evolve. Well, fantastic, my friend. I want to tell you that you're really making a difference in moving the needle of progress forward, my friend. I want to thank you for the work that you do in the field of fitness and personal development and for engaging in conversation with me this morning. It's most appreciated. Brother, you couldn't have said, I couldn't have said it better than that. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time.